America. We are endowed by our Creator with certain unalienable rights, life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. At Grand Canyon University, we believe in equal opportunity, and the American dream starts with purpose. By honoring your career calling, you impact your family, your friends, and your community. The pursuit to serve others is yours. Find your purpose at Grand Canyon University. Private. Christian. Affordable. Visit gcu.edu. To many people, a dress symbolizes things like fragility, weakness, inequality, outdated dress code rules, societal pressures, gender roles, what have you. There was a time when a woman would literally be scoffed at for wearing anything other than a dress. And for centuries, women have fought to press on and buck trends and fight stereotypes. And obviously, a woman wearing pants or shorts or anything other than a dress isn't thought of as anything crazy or remarkable today. But could a woman wearing a dress actually change the world? Could the dress be reclaimed into a symbol of power and freedom and purpose? We think so. Welcome to Business with Purpose. I'm your host, Molly Stillman of stillbeingmolly.com, and this show is all about bringing you the stories behind the brands, companies, and small businesses that are changing the world. Each week, I interview an entrepreneur, CEO, a community leader, or just an amazing person who is trying to make a positive impact, not only through their personal life, but also with their professional career. My goal is to show you that no matter what you do for a living, you can make an impact right where you are. My guest this week is Blythe Hill, the founder of Dressember, an international movement of women and men who are raising money to fight to end human trafficking. I wanted to hear Blythe's story and learn about how she got this incredibly amazing movement started, and I loved our conversation. I am actually participating in Dressember this year, and I am pledging to wear a dress every day during the month of December, yes, even if it is freezing out, and I would be so honored and grateful if you'd consider donating to my Dressember fundraiser. My goal is $6,300, and that would fund the rescue operation of one woman, man, or child who is trapped in the bondage of modern-day slavery. Your donation is tax deductible and you can donate at stillbeingmolly.com slash dressember. That's stillbeingmolly.com slash D-R-E-S-S-E-M-B-E-R. Before we get into the show, I wanted to thank one of this week's sponsors of the show, which is Causebox. I am so excited about having Causebox as a partner of the podcast because I've been a subscriber of Causebox since the beginning. I started subscribing to Causebox over two years ago and immediately fell in love with it, and I've been a proud subscriber ever since. For those that don't know, Causebox is a quarterly subscription box that comes out each season, and each season's box has a whole design and product theme, and every single product in the box is ethically made, fair trade, or gives back in some way. And every single product is amazing and functional and gorgeous and truly unique. This is one of my all-time favorite subscription boxes, and truly, I honestly believe it's one of the best values. It costs about $50 per box, but you receive more than $150 worth of beautiful and unique products that are making a difference in the world. And I'm so excited about this because Causebox just announced an extremely limited edition men's box. Yes, a box full of amazing ethical products that are functional and amazing for your guys. 
This is going to sell out super fast, so you better hop on that. The team at CauseBox has been so generous as to provide my listeners an exclusive coupon code for $15 off your first box with the code MOLLY. Simply go to stillbeingmolly.com slash CauseBox to sign up. That's stillbeingmolly.com slash C-A-U-S-E-B-O-X and use the coupon code MOLLY for $15 off. And if you have not heard my interview with Matt Richardson, the co-founder of CauseBox, go back and listen to episode 13 of this podcast. Podcast to hear his awesome stories and all about his amazing company. Now, on to the episode of my conversation with Blythe. Hey, Blythe, welcome to the show. Hey, Molly, thanks for having me. Uh, to be here. Yes, I am honored. I'm truly honored to have you as a guest. And I was saying this before we got started recording, like, I don't know how we have not connected yet at this point. I've been following you and Dressember for years, and I'm just so, I'm excited to finally get a chance to get to know you and really hear your story. Oh my gosh, me too. <laughs> I have been young, look- so. I've been looking forward to this so much. So, and this is very timely. Um, so we're recording this in November, but we're going to air it right at the beginning of December, um, at the beginning of December. And so we're, I'm just so excited to continue to share um, what you are doing and what all of the advocates are doing and all of that. We're going to get into all of that. But before Perfect. we really dive deep. I'm going to have you give us the Blythe 101. So this is what I have all my guests do. And that's just for you to tell your story. So what are all the things in your life that led you to where you are today? Oh, my gosh. How long do we have? (laughs) I know, right? (laughs) That's, I mean, really, everything led me to where I am. That's a huge question. Oh, I love that. I guess, um, I mean, specific to December, way, way, way back. I mean, I've always, I've always loved fashion. I've always loved style. Um, I've loved sort of the, the artistry of making an outfit, which, you know, just styling is really fun to me. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and, and then, you know, with, with human trafficking, that side of it, um, that wasn't something I knew about, you know, tons of years ago, you know, as a little girl or anything, but it was something I found out about in college and was just so, um, became so fired up about it really felt a sense of personal urgency about it that I'd never felt before like this very personal like I have to do something about this you know not just the like oh that's terrible someone needs to do something but like no like I need to Mm -hmm. um, maybe reroute my whole career and direction in life to do something significant to engage in this issue what were you majoring in in college well, I changed my major like four times. So I think I, <laughs> I got in as a theater major, which is super funny. I to was me a theater major because... when I started out too. Oh, really? Yes. That's <laughs> hilarious. Yeah. Super, super random for me. I mean, I just like definitely would not have thrived <laughs> in, in that profession, but admire those who do. I know. Um, and then after theater, I think I was briefly psychology and then I was undeclared, which was like, I remember being in the admissions or the counseling office um, at, at school and they were they were do, trying to do everything to keep me from going undeclared <laughs> after I'm like, are you sure you want your third major? You know, I think I was either a sophomore. I was probably a sophomore at that point um, to be undeclared. And I was like, yeah, I need time to figure out <laughs> what I want to be. Um and I don't want to fill these psych prerequisites right now. Yeah. So I ended up majoring in English because I just kind of defaulted to mm-hmm. like, well, I love to write. I love to read. So um, 
I probably should just go in that direction, you know, go in the direction of what you love to do. <laughs> I love it. Um, I, I eventually ended up with English too. So maybe all theater majors uh, that change their major just end up in English. <laughs> yeah, maybe. We Yeah, we love story. Yeah, there has to be something to that. Thread. Yeah. So, um, so how did you find out about human trafficking in college? Like what were you, did you attend, you know, kind of like a speaker on campus or did you see a documentary or how did you really learn, first learn about it? Yeah, you know, I don't remember like a specific instance, although I do know it was it was some form of um, like print media, like mm-hmm. I read an article or or more than one probably as I dug in to find out like, oh, is this real? Is this really happening? And it's pervasive. Um, but it was something I mean, I was probably 19. And the articles I were I was reading were articles on like spotlights on the red light districts of um, Cambodia and Thailand and India and like, you know, across the world. Um, look what's happening to millions of of girls. Right. And um, I was just like, can this be real? Can this can this really be real? And no one is doing anything about it or like how is this happening you know like I I was very much in the boat of like no slavery's behind us we abolish slavery that's in the past and slavery is not legal in any country in the world and yet it happens it's a rampant and thriving criminal industry um and so when I yeah when I started learning about it, it was it was very much like um this is happening across the world it wasn't yet getting attention for the ways that it's happening right. locally. Um, so I just felt totally, um, like I said, that sense of urgency and, and a passion to to do something about it. But at the same time, I think I had probably recently, maybe at that point, like freshly declared, like finally declared one of my majors. Yeah. I don't know which one at that point, but um, uh, probably not psychology because that would have tied in pretty well, actually. I think I had at that point, I must have put psychology behind me and been going towards English and so felt this crisis of like, wow, I, f- I have to do something about it, but it doesn't seem to line up with the direction I'm headed. Yeah. Um, like I'm someone like I love to, I love to write. I love fashion, like I said. Um, I love wordplay. <laughs> um, and at that time, it just felt like you needed to be one of five career qualifications or you needed to be on, you know, specific pathways in order to, to be qualified to engage in the fight. And I was like, okay, do I, do I reroute my, my direction towards, um, social work or criminal justice or, um, you know, any of the other, like toward, you know, towards law or, um, anything like that. And I just never felt like it just felt so incongruent with who I am and how I'm wired that I was like, Oh my gosh, do I have to, I have to choose between, um, the way I'm wired and, and what I'm kind of interested in and in and good at. And, and then my, this sense of passion for women and girls, like I felt like I had to choose between those two things. And it was, just awful feeling that way for and I kind of sat in that in that spot for years yeah. of just feeling like gosh I'm so passionate but so powerless like there's nothing I can do mm. except hope that someday I'll have a job where I can give a significant amount yeah yeah so I realized I I kind of digressed there for a minute but so I know that after you you know really started learning about human trafficking in college and you felt this very strong sense of 
purpose and calling to do something about it and to not just sit back and you know just say man somebody should really get up and do something you actually you decided to do something what did those early stages look like and for those that you know obviously we'll be talking a lot about this but for those that don't know about December um talk you know talk about how that how that all came about and what uh December does yeah well December, I created December, honestly, out of boredom. <laughs> I was, um, I was in college, you know, a lot of a lot of this critical moments happening in college. But I um, was feeling just kind of stifled by the academic routine and didn't have much time to be creative or like, I like to do like, crafty stuff, like actually make things with my hands. And yeah. I didn't have much time to do any of that. And so it was just like, gosh, I I need to do something as a creative outlet. And so I was thinking like, well, I have to get dressed every day. So why don't I try creating a personal style challenge? So I came up with the idea to try wearing a dress every day for a month. And I had this idea in November of 2009. And so then came up with a name for it. I was thinking like, okay, I'm going to do this in December. Dresses in December. December, of course. Yeah. <laughs> Such a great name. And um, so it really, it had no... Um, no cause or fundraising element or campaign element at all that first year, um, or really for about five years um, or four years. Um, it was just this like fun thing that I decided to try doing because I needed some some spice in my days. Yeah, yeah. Um, and it was never something I was going to do more than once. It was just like, oh, I feel like doing this. Why not? Like, I'm just going to go for it. And I had a blog at the time. And so I posted photos of my, like each day, um, my dress. And um, that year I, I didn't even realize, but I had enough dresses to wear a different one every day. So I had fun with that. <laughs> and, and then, and then it was over. It was like, Oh, cool. That was fun. You know, but yeah. fun and done. And then the next year, some of my girlfriends brought it up and they're like, Hey, remember that thing you did last year? Like, we want to do that with you this year. And I was like, Oh, okay. Like hadn't planned on doing it again, but sure. Like they, they must be bored as well or humoring me or, um, you know, just was like, okay, let's do it. So dove in and, and did it with them the second year. And then in 2011, the next year, um, their friends who had seen them do dress number the previous year brought it up to them and wanted to join in. And so that was when I, yeah, I started hearing things from my friends like, Oh yeah. So-and-so like one of my, one of my coworkers who saw me doing it last year, brought it up and wants to do it. And another friend or like, you know, like a cousin, like people, I, people I didn't know. And I was like, Oh, right. this is not something people are doing because of me. You know, like, this isn't just my friends, like humoring me. This is, um, it's catching on people, people like this. Yeah. It's growing. And like, I, I kind of joke that like, I have a lot of ideas that never go anywhere <laughs> and, and that's okay. Like I, I just believe, I think it's like good to have ideas just for ideas sake. And, but I learned to recognize like, oh, this one is actually like, this one has legs. Like this one is moving. People like this. It's, it's growing on its own. Um, and so it was a very different like sensation than so many of my ideas. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> um, so, so at that point I started dreaming about like what more it could become. And I dreamt about adding a heart to it because I was like, okay, it's one thing, like it's, it's fun. It's like this fashion challenge, but 
wouldn't it be so great if we could somehow use this um, for for something good? And it was a really easy choice for me to align it with anti-trafficking um, because I had already been, you know, interested in and passionate about that issue for for years at that point, and frustrated at the lack of sort of a an inroad. Um, and so it felt it felt very risky. It felt like okay, this this could totally this could be really silly. You know, like this could totally fail. We we, we really are just getting dressed, you know, we're not running a marathon. We're not biking across the country. Like are people really gonna, gonna donate? Um, but Movember gave me a lot of hope that it would work. Um, so the mustache campaign or men grow mustaches yeah. to raise money and awareness for men's health issues. At that point, 2011, 12, they were raising millions of dollars by growing mustaches. And I was like, okay, <laughs> if they can do that, yeah, if that they, works, they, like if they can raise millions of dollars with a mustache, yeah, like... so and there's a chance. Like, <laughs> I was like, okay, we got to at least try. So 2013 was our first year as a campaign officially. And I chose International Justice Mission as the organization I wanted to align Dressember with initially. An awesome organization. And yeah, they're they're just incredible. They're still one of our one of our grant partners and really, really respect the work they do. Mm-hmm. But um I reached out to them in the fall of 2013 and told them my, my idea and really just expected them to be like, oh, that's really that's creative. Um We'll gladly accept any money that you want to send our way, but um, <laughs> we can't officially, you know, align with you or promote promote you. Um, that was kind of my expectation. It's like, okay, until we're like actually substantial, we probably won't get much um, attention. Um, so I was super surprised when they actually, you know, that their initial response was like, "Oh, that's really cool. Like, let's stay in touch." And then, and then they wrote me back, like in November of 2013. And they're like, "You know what? We really love this idea, and our social media director loves it, and we want to help promote it." Wow! Um, and so that was that was huge for us. That was honestly, I, I feel like that was kind of the the pivotal moment for for Dressember. Yeah. Um, because they, when they agreed to promote it, I mean, they're, they're the world's largest anti-trafficking organization. Their audience at that time was over 200,000 people across the world on social media were following them. And so I, I just probably literally fell to the floor, like, wait, what? (laughs) Like, is this real? Um, and so then I, I remember pretty vividly like going, and creating the campaign page and then getting to the point where I had to set a goal for the campaign and being a little bit like caught off guard, like, Oh, I totally did not even think about what, what our goal would be or like, you know, what, what I'm going to tell people collectively that we're going after. Yeah. Um, so I sat for a few minutes, like staring at the screen and sort of like thinking it through, said, said a quick prayer and kind of ended up landing on the number $25,000, which felt really like felt really ambitious it felt a bit scary and again that feeling of like okay this could just this could just totally flop and I'll be this silly girl who thought like who thought she could put on a dress and raise awareness for human trafficking raise money for human trafficking and but at the same time I was like well maybe there's a chance you know maybe we can come close to this like it's good to be ambitious like let's let's do it and um and then fast forward a, f- a few weeks and we 
ended up hitting my crazy ambitious goal on day three. Oh, it's amazing. Um, yeah, it, it was a whirlwind. I mean, we ended up raising six times my goal. We raised one hundred sixty-five thousand dollars wow. that first month, and so then at that point, I was just like, "Oh my gosh, this this is so much bigger than I thought," and I realized I needed to really expand my my vision. Um, and so I ended up in 2014, early 2014, I applied for a 501c3 certification and received that. Um, and then it's just like snowballed ever since. We raised 465000 the second year, 925000 the third year. And last year we came a few thousand dollars shy of $1.5 million. Wow. So it has been like just tremendous growth and so exciting to see the impact we're able to have collectively. Um, Because I think what's, you know, what I tell people is like one of the coolest parts of this journey is if I'm honest, this, this began fairly selfishly where it was like, okay, I'm going to use Dressember. Like, so hopefully, hopefully I can create a way for myself to engage in this issue because that's what I had been longing for for years. And, and I did that. I created this path for, myself to engage in the issue. And um, what's so cool is that I, I created it for thousands of other people who had felt the same way and had been waiting for a way to actively engage in the issue. And so that is just like wild and awesome and feels like such a privilege to, to be in a position where I'm leading this movement of incredible advocates That's so amazing. And it's been so inspiring to watch the growth over the years. And I honestly can't remember the first year that I found out about Dress Summer, but I want to feel like it was the first or second year. And to be honest, like people are like, why haven't you done it until because this is my first year doing being an advocate. Oh, my gosh. And I can't believe that you're killing it. (laughs) But I had I honestly when when somebody asked me um, why this is the first I'm like, honestly, I don't know why I didn't do it sooner. And I don't think it was anything like intentional. I think I was just like, oh, that's so awesome. And I would share about it. And, you know, I knew about it and I would donate to other people's campaigns. I just don't think I have no idea why I didn't participate until this year. And then this year I was like, well, duh, like, why why wouldn't I? Um, And it's funny because, I mean, we're recording this in November. And I remember when I signed up at the beginning of October, I was like, how much should my goal be? It's my first year doing it. I don't know. And I kind of, I mean, on a obviously much smaller scale than you felt, I was sitting there at the computer, like, and I remember my first goal, I was thinking like, oh, I'll do like 500. And then I was like, ah, no, I should go big or go home. I'll do like a thousand. And then I saw the thing at the bottom that has like, you know, it's got, I think $350 pays for, you know, like counseling or thing, you know, it has like the different costs. And I saw the 6,300 funds a rescue operation. And I, I heard so clearly God be like, yeah, you're going to need to do the 6,300. And I was like, ah, but that seems like a lot for one person. And so I just, I said that I, I mean, as of now, I haven't hit it yet, but I'm over a quarter of the way there and we're not into December yet. So I feel like you're you're gonna we're, hit it. We're gonna I hit feel it. Like you're gonna smash it. Yeah, and I and I added a uh, I added a, a level of um, to make it interesting. Um, so mm-hmm. I work. All my friends know, and and my blog readers know that I'm obsessed with um, this workout camp called. 
heartburn boot camp. It's I go like five, six days a week. I'm obsessed with it. And um, I started doing it in March. And um, so I work out a lot. And so I was like, well, if I hit the goal of 6,300, I will also work out in a dress. Um, oh my gosh! Like I'll literally it. do the the I will go to camp in a dress every single day. <laughs> so we'll see how that works. Um, I'll put shorts on That's underneath. Amazing. Wait. So if you hit if you hit your goal by December first, I I initially said that, but I said <sighs> but I so I said if I hit it by December first, I'll I'll work out in a dress. Now I'm just gonna say if I hit it at any point during December, I will once I get to 6,300, then I'll work out in a dress from there. So I love it. That's amazing. <laughs> I'm like, you know, you want to see me do burpees in a dress. I'm just saying, like, <laughs> I do. Yeah, I take mean, like, video. Who doesn't? <laughs> who doesn't want to see that ridic- <laughs> ridiculousness? Um, but yes, I mean, it's just been so cool to see the way that people just rally around this and the way it connects people. And um, you know, one of the things that I've I've been saying to people is just that it it, it has to be about a, an overall lifestyle and understanding that like it's not just one month of the year yeah. and living this out 12 months out of the year and yeah. I think that's why for me personally it was such a natural fit and my friends and family were so quick to support me initially because it's not like this is a, a new thing for me like it's I mean, I talk about this all the time and um, I work, uh, I do work with a local nonprofit here that does anti-human trafficking and, um, you know, I've done a lot of work in Kenya with anti-human trafficking. And so my friends know that this is something that is extremely close to my heart and I'm really passionate about it. And so I think that that is one of the things that I think people also saw and connected with for you because it was clearly something you cared about and you felt strongly about. And so people wanted to rally around it and support you. And I just think that that is so cool that you can take something like a dress. And I love that the tagline, like it's more than a dress. Like it's not, it's not about the dress and it is, but it's not, you know? Yeah. Well, yeah. People ask me sometimes like, well, why did you choose a dress as a symbol of your anti-human trafficking movement? And it really didn't happen that way in terms of like chronologically that the the dress came out of that style challenge and right. then I aligned it with anti-trafficking. But um, yeah, that it's really, um, I mean, I love that it's a dress. I love dresses, <laughs> um, clearly. Um, <laughs> but it's, re- yeah, it really is. It could be, it's arbitrary. It could be anything. We could be hopping around in burlap sacks and, <laughs> and it's like, it's, it's more about it being like the unifying um you know, like our uniform, it's, it's the identifier of, of our movement and the unifier of our advocates. Yeah. Um, yeah. And, and I love the, you know, the emails I get about, um, people who, who go through the experience of on a daily basis, putting on the dress and, and feeling like they are putting on the uniform of an advocate and kind of being reminded of, um, why, why they're making this sacrifice, you know, as small of a sacrifice as it might be, um, why they're making this choice and and the intentionality behind it. Um, And I hope, and and I've seen this happen, but I hope that it happens for, for everyone is that, that then that experience is powerful enough to, to carry on into the rest of the year and be kind of a catalyst for, okay, how else can I 
be an advocate throughout the rest of my year. How did you decide, because I know you started off that first year with partnering with International Justice Mission, and now you have added additional partners like um, the A21 project um, or A21 campaign. Um, When did that growth happen and how did you begin those partnerships and what made you decide to continue to add more grant partners? Yeah, it's a good question. I, um, I added A21 as a partner in 2015 after looking at a couple potential and talking to a couple potential organizations at that point. Um, the, the advice I had actually gotten, the legal advice was that um, the IRS, I mean, this, this initially, oh, I'm just going to be totally honest, what initially prompted adding organizations, even though it, it's kind of my strategy has changed. But initially the motivation was um, the legal advice that said, you know, the IRS does not necessarily favorably view an organization that is only supporting one other organization, Mm. you know, like its whole existence is, is to support another organization without being officially connected um, from an organizational perspective. And so um, that, that kind of prompted like, Oh, okay, we should move towards a, we are a grant making organization essentially. So we should move towards a, a, a formal foundation approach. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and that kind of then prompted me to begin thinking about, um, the, I guess the like criteria and the standards of partnership that I, that I wanted to implement, uh, as a way to vet partners and, and then allocate funding. Um, and so, and pretty early on, I also had this conviction that, um, I don't know if conviction is the right word, but just this um, desire that, okay, as Dressenberg grows, and I really feel like it's going to continue to keep snowballing in its growth, um, I I want to create a network of partnerships, yeah. grant partnerships with organizations with the intention of like, okay, these are long-term alignments. I don't necessarily want to align with an organization for one year and and that's it. You know, like I want to come alongside them for long-term sustainable impact. Right. Um, but at the same time, I don't ever want to give an organization more than 10% of their operating budget. Um, in, in, in case, um, dress number plateaus or goes on the decline, you know, like there's a, there's totally a chance or possibility that dress number could just eventually fizzle out or be sort of a splash in the pan. Um, Splash in the pan? Is that the right flash in the pan? <laughs> I always get I those know. like idioms like totally wrong. Anyway, you know what I, I like mean. It. Um, if it doesn't exist, summer... it exists now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there we go. Um, but just, you know, in case in case Stress Ember didn't um, or doesn't, you know, still I kind of have the same mentality of like, I, I don't want any organization to depend on us so much that um, without receiving funding from us, they have to shut their doors. Mm. Um so, so the idea has continued to be moving towards two things, creating a strong community of advocates who are aware and educated and um, accurate in their facts and stories, um, and then creating a strong network of grant partners where um, we have this amazing ability to give large strategic grants and collaborate with them on, okay, where, where are the areas that you need funding and then which of those best aligns with our mission and the impact we're trying to have Mm -hmm. at Dressember. 
Um, and so getting to like collaborate with them in that and then give them large grants to support that work that really moves the needle forward right. in the way that I and my all the advocates are are hoping that that they'll be able to see and the impact they're able to that they'll be able to have. Mm-hmm. Um, so last year we added a third partner, much smaller. We didn't we didn't advertise it a whole lot. Um, it was a little bit of a beta test, but we added a um, a small grant partner in Syracuse, New York, McMahon Ryan, which is a child advocacy center. Mm. Um, and they do outreach to at-risk youth in, in Syria. I mean, Syria, Syracuse. <laughs> yeah. um, and they also do um, aftercare for child survivors oh, of wow. trafficking. And it's within the last um, probably five or six years that they've moved specifically in the direction of, of trafficking uh, prevention and survivor care. Yeah. Um, so their their history is as a child advocacy center dealing with child victims of abuse, yeah. um, which is actually like exactly who you want to be working with child victims of trafficking because right. trafficking is child abuse. Right. Um, so the, yeah, so they're um, a great organization, but uh, we are partnering with them again this year and in 2018. Um, I'm super excited to get into 2018 because at that point, I'm going to be inviting a number of organizations based in the U.S. to apply for grant partnership for 2018. that's awesome. Awesome. Yeah, yeah. And my goal is to um, effectively blanket the U.S. so that the idea is um, giving all of our advocates across the U.S., a lo- what feels like a local regional grant partner for them. Um, That's so because awesome. really the McMahon Ryan connection came from one of our biggest teams at the time in, in Syracuse uh, wrote me a, a handwritten letter and just said like, we, we love dress Ember. We're on board. You have opened our eyes to what is happening internationally and how it's happening and what it looks like. And now it's kind of your fault, but you, that's also opened our eyes to what's happening locally and how, how can we, um, how can we do all this work internationally and, and not do anything locally? And so they really, um, they really lit a fire under my chair. And I had already been thinking in that direction, but, um, it was just, it's, it's always really amazing to hear directly from advocates some of the things that I have already been kind of inclined towards. It's almost like confirmation from our stakeholders in a yeah, sense. Yeah. Like I really view our advocates as the key stakeholders and the ones that I'm accountable to because they're the you're the ones out there like, you know, risking your reputation and asking for for money and raising awareness. And so um, I feel like my one of the main parts of my role at Dressember is to listen to what the advocates want. Um, so it was really cool that like, okay, I had already been thinking about how do we expand to domestic partnerships and then to hear from this powerhouse team in Syracuse about this great organization that they really respected and loved. And then to, to learn more about that organization and really see like, oh yeah, they really are doing some great work and let's try this. And then, um, having that be like this slow, uh, bridge into, yeah, expanding the, the U S partnerships is super exciting. 
All right, let's take a quick break from talking with Blythe and let me tell you about the amazing company that is also helping to make this show possible. And that is Sevenly. Sevenly was founded in 2011 with the mission of leading a generation towards generosity based on the core belief that people matter. The Sevenly team created a cause art movement consisting of seven day cause campaigns, inviting customers to purchase advocacy art, apparel and accessories that donate to nonprofits. Now it's widely recognized as one of the world's leading social good companies. Companies. And to date, Sevenly has given back over $5 million to charities around the world. This holiday season, Sevenly is excited to offer you the opportunity to give back while also giving gifts to your loved ones. One of my favorite, favorite, favorite shirts from Sevenly is the Freedom Is Not Free shirt. Not only is it soft and it has a beautiful design, but it helps to benefit Hope for the Warriors, an organization that is helping wounded soldiers and their families. Check out their signature collections at sevenly.org and give back to the charity of your choice. And you can use the coupon code MOLLY10 for 10% off now through the end of November. And if you have not heard my interview with the co-founder of Sevenly, Jim Van Erden, you can go back and listen to episode 53 to hear it. It was one of my favorite episodes to date, and I know you will love it. Now back to my conversation with Blythe. When I first learned about human trafficking, I think I was like most people who just thought it happens, quote, over there. It doesn't happen here in the United States. And in 2011, um, late 2010 and into 2011 was when I really first learned about human trafficking. And um, a friend of mine spoke at our church and she was starting this um, this local Durham, North Carolina-based anti-human trafficking nonprofit, and we watched this documentary called The Candy Shop, um, mm. which is um, – and I actually, I had my friend Abby on the show back in February of 2017, um, and we may have talked about it then. So if you're listening and you remember that episode, you will probably remember what I'm um, mentioning, but it's this very artistic – done documentary um, I don't really know how to how to describe it's creepy um, but mm. human trafficking is you know not fun so uh, mm. but it's it basically it's this artistic representation of what human trafficking is and it's um, this man who owns a candy shop and lures kids in and he literally turns them into pieces of candy that then men come in and buy um, oh my gosh yeah it's 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 a it's obvious it's creepy um but it's it's very artistically done but it i think it is a very accurate <laughs> representation of because it i think it hits on sort of all of the different complex parts of human trafficking uh from the you know force fraud and coercion to um creating the demand um on both sides um and so it's it's a very interesting documentary. Um, and so then there was a big, it was shown at our church and then it was, there was a big discussion afterwards and kind of a Q and a, and I remember that night just being completely blown away and dumbfounded mm. in a lot of ways about, Oh my gosh, this is something that is happening here. And why isn't anybody doing anything about this? And, you know, I mean, I realized that people were, but I just, I felt so helpless in that moment. Mm -hmm. And, um, and I knew that there was, that was the point in time where I was like, okay, well, I, I have to do something. I don't know what I'm going to do, but I'm just going to do something. And so I started volunteering with that organization. Um, and, and then I served on the board and um, then got involved with an international uh, organization as well. And so it was just, 
you know, I just kind of started going to people and being like, um, hi, I want to help. I don't know what you need, but uh, <laughs> I would like to help, you know, <laughs> you know, oh, yeah. and then it's it's funny, like how you said at the beginning when I said, well, what are all the things that led you to where you are today? And you're like, well, everything did. And for me, it, it's really interesting because that's kind of how it has been, too. And I think for a long time I felt this a similar um, I don't know what the word is, but a similar inner struggle where I felt like I was I I liked fashion and I liked doing my blog and you know but I worked in radio and I did comedy for years and then I also like you know I had this passion for human trafficking and ethical fashion and I thought they all had to be mutually exclusive Mm, and then it's so interesting how here I am doing a podcast and I have a blog about ethical fashion and ending human trafficking and all that. It's just funny how like all those things have started to meld together. And I just laugh at God laughing at me going, yeah, yeah, I knew exactly what I was doing. You know what I mean? Like where God's saying I knew exactly what I was doing. And um, so I just think it's so cool to see how you have also incorporated all of the things that you're passionate about and how you have this very strategic vision for growing December um, and you know that you're realistic about it but you also set big audacious goals Um, the goal for December this year is two million dollars that's amazing that's amazing isn't that crazy (laughs) and I think it's gonna happen I no, I don't think it's gonna happen I know it's gonna happen because I mean if you just look at the goals you've set for yourself in the past and every single year you blow them out of the water and it's just it's amazing um what you and all of the advocates have been able to do um and the awareness that you're bringing the impact that you're having on these organizations like IJM and A21 um I just think it's so awesome I think it's so awesome I just want to commend you for all of the work that you do because I just it really does inspire me um and it makes me want to do more. <laughs> Thanks, Molly. Absolutely. That means a lot. Well, Absolutely. and and I mean, it's honestly, it's like I tell people like the average advocate raises two hundred and fifty dollars. I think it's it's like wow. either it's between two hundred and two hundred fifty. Like it's not much. Um, but when you when you put together this like army of people, this huge community of people that are um that are all doing this, it really, yeah, it really adds up. And you, you have this like tidal wave of impact. Wow. And it kind of makes me think of, um, you know, like occasionally people will say, or will write in and say like, you know, what's, what's the point of like, why should I donate to you and not just directly to one of the organizations that you support? Right. And it's a tough question to answer uh, initially because, you know, like absolutely go donate to that organization. Like they're great. There's a reason we're partnering with them. Right. Like, we, we believe in what they're doing, but what's really amazing about dress Ember is you, you get the chance to see your gift and your impact multiplied. Yeah. Um, again, like we make these collaborative strategic, large grants to organizations that have, a huge impact in moving mm. the needle forward. And not that it's a bad thing to donate your um, smaller gift to uh, to an organization and have that go towards urgent needs or towards any any number of the things that they need. Right. But it's just this, it's a, an amazing chance to be part of a large grant that is having the type of impact that we're having. And and another thing is like, okay, for, for everyone who 
really feels confident about an organization, like, yeah, I just want to give directly to that organization. And again, that's great. Go do that. Um, or do both, you know, like, <laughs> why not? Right. Um, but for every person who's at, as confident, there's probably like, I mean, I'm pulling this statistic out of nowhere, but I, I get the sense that for every person who's confident about their donation, there's probably like 10 people who are like, I have no idea where to begin. How do I know Absolutely. if an organization is having an impact? How do I know where my money's going? And so I really see Dress Ember's Place as alleviating that pain point yeah. of like, let us do the work of vetting these organizations mm-hmm. and um, collaborating with them on exactly where the money is going to go and how it's going to be used um, and, and putting them through our criteria to make sure like, okay, they're a collaborative organization that's partnering with, with law enforcement and, and working to make the whole system better. And they're culturally sensitive and they are measuring the impact they're having. They can actually see um, the difference that they're making in, in hard numbers and, and they're doing it in a way that's innovative and creative because this is a massive thriving and shrewd industry. Um, the industry of trafficking, it will continue to morph and evolve. And it's, um, it's such a profitable industry that it, yeah, it's like, okay, if we shut down this one thing, something else is going to pop up uh, over here, you know, so we need innovation and creativity in, in tackling like, okay, how do we actually systemically and culturally dismantle this issue? Um, And then are they sustainable? You know, what's their track record? And then what's their, their vision and their plan for the future and are we right. are we able to come alongside them and really empower that growth and that vision so um so that's my hope with dressember is like we're not we're not some middleman that's like trying to take a cut of your donation we're really right um we're really being um uh what is the word like not just accountable and transparent but like um I really hold the weight of that responsibility mm. seriously. Yeah. Um, I, I want uh, to, it's, it's not something I take lightly, you know, right. and it's not something that the board at Dress Ember takes lightly. It's, um, right. it's something we take very seriously and we, you know, hold as our, as our highest responsibility yeah. to our donors and to our advocates. Yeah. So, well, I think, you know, you, you brought up a great point and this is something that I talk about all the time and I think I actually this is in my little blurb on my fundraising page is that I truly do believe that we can see human trafficking end in our lifetime and I think that people people that say well that that's not possible I mean it's one of it's you know the second largest global industry after you know drugs (laughs) and um people think that it's just impossible I say but but we haven't tried (laughs) and yes traffickers are smart and they're well-funded and they're well-organized like that is how they are able to be so successful so we have to be smarter we have to be more well-funded and we have to be more organized and if there are enough people who are smarter more well-funded and more organized than the traffickers well guess what we can beat them like it is possible and I believe it and I think that when you have an organization like Dress Ember that is bringing together I mean think about how many advocates you've had and when you're bringing together that many people that has a ripple effect because those people you know impact their networks and those networks impact their networks and it just it continues and it it goes out from there and it grows from there and those are the types of 
waves that you need to bring people together to fight this. And sure, it's not going to be an issue that everyone is going to rally around. Some people are passionate about animals. Some people are passionate about the earth. And some, you know, I mean, like everybody's kind of got their thing. But I feel like this is something that universally if you're not a terrible human being like, you, know, you can uh, <laughs> it should horrify you yeah. it should horrify you I mean like I mean really and uh so you know I I just again I just think it's awesome what you're doing um and I I'd had a, another question for you so as far as obviously you know you really ramp things up in October November and December um, what does the rest of the year look like for you as an organization and you <laughs> like, as yeah. as Blythe? What is what does the rest of the year look look like? That is a great question, and I um, yeah, I feel like even some of the people I know personally, not my close friends, obviously, but like some acquaintances are like, oh, like what do you yeah, what do you do all year? <laughs> um, and um, yeah, I'm very busy. It's well, it's a different kind of busy. It's it, the busiest time is obviously this time of year, but um the campaign closes the end of January, so then in February we move into a season of making essentially making good on our promises. You know, right. we make we make the grants um and formalize the reporting process um that the organizations have agreed to. Um and then we deliver this is super fun. I feel like Santa, but we get to deliver all of our rewards to our advocates so like um we have a number of incentives this year but we get to like uh then actually distribute those like the people who've raised certain threshold amounts um get products from our grant grant or uh, it's not our grant partners our brand partners um and then i mean this year is like the incentives alone are like there's so many and there's so many good ones and i can't wait to get to february and be able to tell two of our the two top advocates that they're going to india with me um ah. <laughs> that's like the 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 big the big tuna incentive <laughs> so we've never we've never done that any uh before but that um that's amazing that will happen in february um i spend a good chunk of my time on um with my board and kind of developing the board and those relationships so i do have a board meeting in february um and i go through an annual performance review with them uh in the early spring and then we do a voluntary audit that we pay for, which I did not know was a thing until I got on this side of the nonprofit world. But yeah. it's actually very expensive. But that is, um, it's it's just um, highly recommended in terms of like you know it shows that you really want to be transparent with your finances. Right. And so uh, we we pay for an audit that happens in the the late spring months. Um, I'm also during this time, like early in the year, maybe January. Actually, I'll start working on our. December dress collection for 2018. Um, since we're working with Elegant Tees, whose sewing center is in Nepal, um, we, we have to have a long lead time in order mm-hmm. to have an August, September delivery for marketing and photos and all of that. Um, so that's going on in the early new year. Um, I think since this is going to be aired in December, I can I can go ahead and share this, but it, this is something that I'm, we, I, I'm not really planning on broadcasting until January. Um, but any of your listeners get a, get a sneak, sneak peek here. Um, I like it. We are going to be doing, we're going to be doing our first off season event in 2018. Um, we're doing a spring, probably May. We're doing a, a, you can do anything in a dress 5k in Los Angeles. That's Um, awesome. 
Yeah, it should be, um, I mean, so fun and so funny, probably just, I mean, I hope people show up in like 80s prom dresses and that sort of thing. But, um, and the idea is <laughs> booking my flight like, now. <laughs> <laughs> I hope so. Uh, so the idea there is to kind of get a handle on, um, you know, what I've never organized a 5k, I'll be honest. And so just like, <laughs> let's try it once it locally. And then before we, you know, hopefully in 2019, bring it to a few more cities, um, but that will be our first off-season event. And um, in the summer, the India trip will either happen like in in June or there's a chance it might happen in September, which I would much rather it happen in June. But that trip, I, I try to take a field office visit once a year. Um, and so that will happen. And this is maybe a way more information than you actually asked for. But no, I think it's awesome. I'll be doing. Um and also, I mean, 2018, like I said, will be the big year of expanding our grant partners. And so there's going to be a huge amount of work in terms of um, finding those organizations. I mean, I, st- I have a list going, but finding probably about 30 organizations across the U.S. to invite to apply for funding and then um, and then actually spending the hours and hours going through those applications and working with, we have an external review committee as well. Um, our grant advisory committee, that is like a committee of experts in trafficking that look at our grant applications. And so I'll work with them to, to look through all of those applications and, um, and then work towards a, uh, a plan and a strategy for 2018, but that's kind of like the high level <laughs> what's happening uh, in the off season. Um, probably in about June or July, I really kick into planning mode for like logistics of the 2018 campaign. Yeah. yeah. Um, and, and that's exciting because it, it's like uh, the beginning of really, I wait all year for this time of year <laughs> is what it feels like. Yeah. And so it's, it's exciting to kind of round that corner in the summer and be like, all right, we're closer to the next campaign than we are to the last campaign. So let's, let's get things moving. Yeah. So I'm, I am very busy, but it, it sometimes is hard explaining to people what I'm busy with, <laughs> um, or just explaining like how long it takes to, vet an organization as a grant partner right, or how long right. it takes to work through our dress collection yeah. design and plan and all of that well, um, I um I did a I, my friend Carly and I actually co-designed a line of clothing with Elegantees last spring and so I know exactly how much work goes into it so yeah we started yeah. in um, I want to say end of September of 2016 and the collection came out the beginning of May. So okay. it was, yeah, yeah it's it a, it's many months of, um, and it was, I think 10 pieces. So it was, it was not a small, oh, co- wow. <laughs> it was yeah. not a small collection, but I love, I mean, I love, love, love elegant tees. I mean, Katie's, a, she's a dear friend and, um, but they are just, what they are doing is so amazing. And her vision too, for growing elegant tees. And so, I mean, I think it's just so cool that you guys partnered up with them because it's just such a, I mean, what a natural fit. Yeah. Yeah. They, um, she reached out to us after the first year. So talk about early adopters. She was like emailing me in early 2014, like, this is so cool what you're doing. 
um, she initially, she came in pretty strong. She was like, let's do a collection of 31 dresses. Oh my gosh. (laughs) Um, One for each day. (laughs) And I was like, okay, a like one, I, yes, I want to partner with you, but two, let's just start with one dress, (laughs) which um, was like, a, a lot of work, um, even the one, but it was yeah. like, it was so fun. And then the next year we did three and this year we did five. Yeah. And this year is my favorite year because, um, again, I've got to be honest. I just, I think I, I was running out of ideas like, okay, I've already designed, you know, three dresses last year and one the year before that, like I'm kind of running out of ideas or just like, yeah. I don't know, like not everybody wants to wear what I want to wear. Like I want to wear like an oversized, like caftan you know (laughs) not everybody wants to wear that so what I mean it looks like this again I look back there's so much that I did that I feel like was just accidentally strategic over the years and this is another thing where I was like I'm just gonna ask some of these like amazing women who I know who like are in I was thinking like okay they are in positions of influence but from us I was thinking of that as like um something that would be motivating for them, I guess, like it would be fun for them and then they'd have a place to share it. Um, I just, I wasn't really thinking like, Oh, and then they'll help sell the dresses. Um, but that is what ended up happening is we had this hugely successful launch day and like successful launch, um, like pre-order season. And now we're into regular orders. Um, but I had, yeah, five different women, um, design well I guess I'm one of the five so I asked four other women uh to design um a dress for the collection and then I designed one um really okay I'm going to keep backing up but I did I asked three women (laughs) and and then the fourth was an advocate design challenge that that we held in the spring so Um, awesome well funny funny story that I can share now um but when so in April of 2017, when we Katie came down um, to my house and then my friend Carly, who lives in L.A., she flew out here to North Carolina with her daughter so we could do the shoot for the Let It Shine collection with Elegant Tees. And so funny story. So Carly was flying out here from L.A. and, you know, Katie was coming down and we had all like, you know, photographer and videographer and makeup and hair book. Like we had all these things booked. And of course, because, you know, it's coming from Nepal, we find out that the entire sample collection is stuck in Qatar. Like oh it's gosh. just sitting somewhere in Qatar. Like we just knew it was in the country of Qatar. <laughs> and like <laughs> the world delivery company, I don't remember exactly what the name of the delivery. It's like, you know, the world version of UPS or whatever is is like yeah it's in Qatar and we're like yes no we understand that it's in Qatar we need it here in the United States in Durham North Carolina as soon as possible um well anyway it it shows up like by a miracle like the morning of the shoot so we're getting like Katie is frantically um steaming everything but funny thing about that particular shipment is the initial samples for the Dressember collection were in it Oh, yes. And so I actually got to sneak peek the um, your oh dress, the, so bl- the Blythe and then Jessica's dress, Jessica Honiger's dress. And I want to say there was one more that I got to sneak peek because they were the it was the initial samples were in that shipment. 
So it was really oh, funny um, because I was like, I was like, ooh, secrets, <laughs> secrets. Um, but yeah, so it's just it's just fun now to see them, you know, in real life now that I was, you know, had kind of the tweaks that were made after the initial samples came. And but I just I'll never forget that because she's like, oh, these are the December samples. So um, and that was back in April. So. Oh my gosh, that's so fun. That's so funny. Thanks for keeping the secret for oh, of course. 14, 14 more months. Of course. Yeah. Yeah. Um, okay. So Blythe, this has been so much fun. Uh, I have just absolutely loved, you know, hearing your passion and hearing your story. And I cannot wait to see, um, you know, where Dress Summer goes this year and next year. And um, as of this moment that we're recording, I am somehow in uh, in first place. I don't know if smoking that's a thing. It. Smoking everyone. So, yeah. so I'm like, I'm like, I'm like, all right. So <coughs> hypothetically, if there was a trip to India, <laughs> yeah, uh, we'll if we see. decided right now, you've got it locked. I'm like, we'll see. We'll see. Um, but I mean, I just think it's, you know, no matter who becomes the top advocate I think it's awesome to see so many people raising so much money and um just getting behind this I I love it and I get so excited obviously because I I keep talking about it um but this is where we do a quick transition to my favorite part of the show which still has an unofficial name of the lightning round I don't know I I need to come up with a better name for it but we've just been calling it the lightning round and my husband who edits my shows inserts a fun sound effect to introduce the lightning round (laughs) so Blythe are you ready for this I'm ready. <laughs> You're ready. All right. So the first question is really just more because I think it fits well with what you what you do. Um, but what are your favorite ethical fashion brands? And do you have a particular other than Elegantes? We'll just say we'll just include Elegantes. Other than okay. Elegantes, do you have any particular ethical fashion brands that you love to buy your dresses from? Oh, dresses. Um Okay, I love the Flourish Market. Do you oh, know um, Emily Sexton's like one of my best friends. Okay, there you go. She's like <laughs> the greatest person in the world. I love her so much. <laughs> yeah, she's awesome. I finally she's... met her in person at the Yellow Conference. Oh, last she's amazing. Summer. Is she not seriously yeah. just like the, the biggest ball of joy you would ever meet in your entire life? It's incredible. Like I was a little like in awe. Like it's <laughs> it's like infectious and like... I felt like a little bit stunned at first, but I was like, you're amazing. I know. I know. She co-hosted. I asked her to co-host my gift guide, my ethical (sighs) gift guide episode this year and is so much fun because she is, I mean, we just, whenever we hang out, we just laugh. And so, yeah, it was, it was a good time. (laughs) Oh, I love it. Okay. So Flourish Market. Um, Love Flourish. Um, I I love Everlane. Um, So they've they've always been great for basics, but they've really expanded. Um, they have a ton of dresses now in addition to like jeans and pants and, um, shoes. Like they're great. Love them. Um, who else? You know, it's really cool to see some bigger brands take steps in the right direction. Like Levi's is a brand that's doing some great stuff for in terms of sustainability and ethics. They are. Um, and like Rebecca Minkoff, I mean, it's kind of surprising. Like re- I did not realize, but Rebecca Minkoff, this is a huge um, personal passion of hers. 
Um, oh, wow. And so if you go to the bottom of the Rebecca Minkoff website and go into like their either about us or sourcing or production or whatever, there's just explicit statements about what they do to prevent human trafficking in oh, their production. Wow. I did not know uh, that. Yeah. And um, I mean, even like Kate Spade, I'm finding out some of these bigger brands because, you know, you always just like latch on to the ones that are <laughs> that are that are doing it. Right. Um, right. So. That, yeah, that's just a few off the top of my head, but that's so there's, cool. there's a lot of great brands moving I love in that, that direction. I love that. Um, what is a movie you can watch over and over again and never get tired of? Okay, there's two movies I always watch on repeat when I'm sick. Oh, I And love or it. just when I like, you know, like comfort movies. Yeah. Um, oh, really? There's three. Shoot. Okay. <laughs> it's fine. But, you can get them. So I, they're just on rotation, I guess, depending what I feel like. There's um, 10 Things I Hate About You. Yes. Um, you've got bail. <laughs> I love it. And Pride and Prejudice, the Kira Knightley version. Yes. <laughs> that soundtrack alone. Like I could just like take a nap during it, you know? <laughs> like, oh, absolutely. Yeah. Like, without a doubt. That like Pride and Prejudice is one of those movies that like I just want to get in my sweatpants. I want to put mm-hmm. a comfy blanket on, have a cup of hot cocoa, and like sit on it and just be like, oh, <laughs> I know. Now I want to watch it right now. <laughs> I know. Let's, yeah, that's it. That's, as soon as I go home, that's exactly what I'm going to do. <laughs> um, okay. If you were sent into space with only three items, what would those three items be? And we'll just go ahead and assume like any necessary people that you love are already there. Okay. So we're just talking like items. Items. Let's see. Well, I am a person of faith, so I'd bring my Bible. I love that. Um. Does, is my dog included in the in, as an item or as a... We'll, we'll say your dog is there. <laughs> okay. Okay. My dog doesn't count as an item. Um, can I bring like a, a combo duo of like laptop and Wi-Fi, like a hotspot? <laughs> yeah. 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 Totally. If you have a laptop, like it's understood you got Wi-Fi. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Awesome. There's Wi-Fi in space. Um, you know, honestly, if all my people are there, I'm like struggling to think of what we maybe like a game we could play, you know, like it's probably kind of boring in space after a while. So, um, some game that bodes well in space, I'm not sure if we have anti-gravity equipment or not. So I love it. I love, I also love games. I love game night. And so, yeah, that would be fun. If it were my daughter's choice, she's four. Um, she would choose Pretty Pretty Princess because it's the game we play every single oh night. <laughs> I'm into it. Yeah, it's yeah, it's good times. Um, okay, so then the last bit here is my either or questions. So it's just whichever one of these things you like better or choose would choose over the other. All right, okay. coffee or tea? Coffee. Cake or pie? Duh. Uh, pie. Ooh. Ooh, you're a pie person. And do you have a particular type of pie you I like? I used to be a pie person. I used to be really grossed out by like fruit pastries. <laughs> <laughs> um, my friend Jazz got me really into pies because she makes these amazing, like she'll make like caramel apple pie oh, or like it's like salted caramel apple or like she's made this really amazing like berry, like mm. five berry pie for my birthday a that few months ago. So um, I love pumpkin pie this time of year. Yes chocolate mousse of mm. course I, I mean like any pie yeah i guess <laughs> i can get behind some pie uh books or movies uh, i guess books if you had said books or tv that would be really hard because mm. i'm i'm lately i'm much more of a tv person than a movie person but books over movies i think what particular tv show or shows are you really like into right now 
Um, okay, my husband and I just started watching This Is Us, which I think he's kind of uh, regretting because I cry at every every episode. Every episode. Every episode. Um, my husband just look, like looks at me waiting for me to cry. <laughs> like, come on. Um, yeah, and then I, I mean, I, I was on a plane yesterday, and it's like free streaming, you know. So I started watching this show, The Sinner, with um, mm. Jessica Biel, and now I'm like hooked on that. So I'm like, okay, how do I watch that? I don't even know where to find it. Maybe Hulu. Um, I don't know. But it's this like thriller. It's like a woman murders someone in public <gasps> and has no explanation of why she did it. That's like the the way they pitch the show, and I was like, okay, I'm watching that. Wow. <laughs> um, it's yeah it's pretty crazy and it's getting into some like i don't know it's just i'm really i'm really fascinated by it um but then obviously like stranger things of course mm. um we want we like binge watch that over halloween weekend and into halloween um and i know okay i know this show is not for everyone it's super intense um I don't recommend it to anyone who's like not into the intensity, but Game of Thrones is like, I'm, I'm pretty into Game of Thrones. I know. I, I, it's one of those shows that like so many people I know love and watch, but I just, I'm 99.9% sure that it's not, I, I don't think I could handle it. I don't think I could handle the intensity. Yeah. Um, there was I, a lot of, um, I do a lot of like blanket hiding during that show. It's like, <laughs> okay, something really violent is happening. Yeah. Something really sexual is happening. It's yeah. just like, like, it's, um, yeah, it's it's kind of a funny. It's funny that I watch it. Yeah, I, it, the, the story. I yeah, at some point I got really hooked on the story, which yeah. is like just this epic, really amazing story. Yeah. Um. Okay. I digress. I'm sorry. <laughs> uh, Pepsi or Coke? Oh, neither. I'm not a soda person. That's okay. That's all right. Um, I was really into Mountain Dew and Dr Pepper as a junior higher. <laughs> um, and then. Yeah, I think I just, I think they did some health class demonstration of like a Ziploc bag of how much sugar is in one can of <laughs> yeah, soda. It's a lot. And I was like, oh, that's really gross. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so I love LaCroix. <laughs> oh, I love LaCroix. Got to give me all the LaCroix. Yeah, um, early cool. bird or night owl? Okay. Used to be a night owl. Now I'm neither. <laughs> Now I'm like, okay, in bed by 10 yeah. and like struggling to get myself out of bed by eight. You know? Yeah. Um, yeah. Like I, it's amazing how much sleep I can partake in <laughs> yeah. if left to it. I had, oh, oh, I feel you. Um, tacos or burritos? Oh, tacos, tacos. I love it. Intro, uh, introvert or extrovert? Introvert. Uh, call or text? Mm, probably text yeah me too it's it's like it's so easy it's... I, I guess it's a lazy choice but <laughs> no it's not lazy it's 2017 <laughs> and I'm the exact same way that's everyone's I'm choice like, right please don't, please don't call me <laughs> like I love you I love you please don't call me uh peace. well it's a problem when I realized like oh I need to call like I really need to call my senator and then I have this like like instant anxiety over like calling you know like can i just text my senator i do too i do too oh my goodness um pc or mac mac and last one crushed ice or cubed ice cubed Ooh, i've cubed. never been asked that question really i really thought about it but yeah like definitely cubed i'm a big i'm a big crushed ice fan so okay. i always i always like to ask that 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 question of people even though i know it's completely random so 
<laughs> it's really funny and random. I know. Uh, Blythe, this has been so much fun. And I am just so excited to continue to share this um, story with people. And um, for the listeners, I will have Blythe's information and um, all the information on Dressember in the um, show notes. You can still sign up to be an advocate. It is not too late. There is plenty not of time um, to be an advocate. And so you can go to dressember.org. And um, that's D-R-E-S-S-E-M-B-E-R.org. And there you can click the button there to become an advocate and set your goal high. You can do it. I know you can. And Blythe, I just can't wait to see you guys blow the $2 million goal out of the water. It's going to be awesome. Oh, my gosh. Thanks, Molly. Well, I'm so excited to see you blow your goal out of the water. Oh, it's going to happen. Thank you. Thank you. I'm like, <laughs> I'm nervous, but we're going to we're going to make it happen. It's going to happen. Yeah, I believe in you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for coming on the show. All right. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. I am so thankful to Blythe for coming on the show this week, but I'm more grateful that she's used her passion and her influence to have such a positive and lasting impact on the fight to end human trafficking. Thank you, Blythe, for all that you do. And again, I would be so honored and grateful if you'd consider donating to my Dressember fundraiser. If everyone listening to the show donated a dollar, we would surpass our goal of rescuing someone trapped in slavery. Every dollar counts. Again, your donation is tax deductible and you can donate at stillbeingmolly.com slash Dressember. That's stillbeingmolly.com slash D-R-E-S-S-E-M-B-E-R. Or you can go to dressember.org to find out more information. Or maybe you even want to join this year and fundraise and help us fight human trafficking. Thank you so much for listening to this week's episode. If you're a first-time listener of the show, welcome, welcome, welcome. Be sure to visit the archives for past shows featuring so many amazing entrepreneurs and people who are literally changing the world with their businesses. And if you are a regular listener of the show, thank you for tuning in week in and week out, and thank you for your support. Be sure to head on over to iTunes, Google Play, Radio Public, or whichever app you use to listen to podcasts and make sure you are subscribed to the show. Clicking that subscribe button helps to make sure that you never miss a new episode of the podcast and while you're there would you mind taking a moment to leave a review of the show leaving a review of the show helps me to know what you're liking and how the show is personally impacting you and if you share the show on social media be sure to use the hashtag business with purpose podcast or tag me at still being molly on twitter instagram or facebook another huge thank you to this week's podcast sponsors Causebox and Sevenly. Visit stillbeingmolly.com slash Causebox and use the coupon code Molly for $15 off. And for Sevenly, visit sevenly.org and use the coupon code Molly10 for 10% off. This show is edited by my amazing husband and executive producer, John Stillman, and the music is by Mark Killian of Third Wheel Media. Thank you so much for listening and go do something good with purpose on purpose.